know what your threshold is at the moment. So you kind of take yourself to the brink, right? And you know what you're capable of and you know what you can conquer in that moment of time and that season of life that you're in. And so as long as you kind of stay on that line, of course you can jump if you want to. When I started my own company, it was like, I wanted to grow, but I wanted to grow slowly. I only wanted to bite off as much as I could chew. So I never wanted to take it too far. I always just understood what I was capable of at that moment. Welcome to Raw and Real. I'm Megan Casey Loftus. And I'm Samantha Jenkins. This podcast is all about launching your career in the business of fashion, tips for starting your journey in New York, and ways to live your most authentic, productive, and best life. Through interviewing fashion industry leaders and girls just like us, we explore fashion, beauty, wellness, and more through the lens of 24-year-old best friends. For daily inspo and podcast updates, follow us on Instagram at rawandrealnyc. Rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere you get your podcast fix. Thanks for listening. On today's episode of Raw and Real, Samantha and I sit down to speak with Sarah Garvin, founder and CEO of Sarah Catherine Collective, a boutique interior design firm specializing in full-service custom interiors, and where our very own Sam Jenkins has called home for the past few months in Charlotte, North Carolina. We speak with Samantha's mentor, inspiration, boss, and friend today. We dive into many different topics, from solo retreats for regrounding yourself to what it takes to building a business from the ground up. I really enjoyed meeting Sarah for the first time and this interview gives so many amazing tangible tips as to how to better yourself and better your business. Hope you guys enjoy. Thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on our podcast today. So I'm so excited to have her on. So where did you grow up? What were you like growing up? Did you always have an idea of wanting to start a business from an early age? Deep dive right off the bat. Okay. (laughs) I think every good book starts out with childhood. So my childhood is probably one of the things that I don't talk about a lot because it's not your picture perfect storybook. But I think at the same time, that is what groomed me to be who I am today. My parents divorced when I was before I was even a year old. So I grew up with my mom. She was a single mom. I went to my dad's every other weekend. So it's not like he was non-existent. It was just definitely a division of family. So I didn't grow up in your typical family unit. And I think that it definitely taught me independence from a very, very early age. And both my parents were self-employed and worked a lot. So my mom, she actually had, well, she was usually working. So we definitely grew up in with babysitters and church groups and daycares and by ourselves a lot too. Um, you know, we used to walk to school when we were like in kindergarten and when we were old enough to not have a babysitter, which by old enough, I mean like five years old, we would stay home by ourselves. (laughs) Um, So I was in charge of the cleaning and the cooking and the doing my laundry and all of those really, really fun adult things that you're not supposed to be doing at a young age. But here we are, you know, so growing up, I definitely had that more independence about me and just learned from my parents because they were self employed that that was kind of the direction that I knew I would probably end up going in, obviously knowing that later on in life. And so I was the fun kid. I was the one you're asking, what was I like growing up? I was definitely very shy as a younger kid and probably still now, but I no, covered, I covered up really well. 
<laughs> um, <laughs> I was very, very shy, but I was also the one that always wanted to have fun because I think I was covering up for the fact that I didn't have this picture perfect uh, childhood. So I was the one that always wanted to go out and party and I was a little mischievous. I was definitely the rebel. I didn't, I'm not a rule follower by any means. And I think that also came from being independent. It was kind of like, okay, well, I don't have a lot of rules at home. So it's hard for no one really established that in my life. So I'm definitely a rule breaker for sure. That's a bit of the entrepreneur in you probably. Exactly. Exactly. And I definitely am not that school of fish mentality. So whatever a group of people are doing, I want to do the exact opposite. Because I think what also comes with, you know, not having your parents in your life uh, a lot is you're always looking for to stand out. And so you're always wanting to be different. And you're always wanting to go against the norm, because you feel like that's what gives you that sense of self mm -hmm. that is definitely carried into my entrepreneur spirit, for sure. With all of this independence, were you excited to get away and go to college? And where did you go? Oh, my gosh, yes, I could not get out of my house fast enough. <laughs> I was my birthday is later. So my birthday is in August. So I was 17 when I went away to college, you know, quickly turned 18, ready to get out of the house uh, that summer after school. So or after high school. So I went to UNCC first. So I went to UNCC and had my first college experience there did the whole freshman dorm again, the freshman 20, not the 15. I just skipped that one and went straight to the 20. So did I. Uh, Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. It's definitely a, a shock yeah. looking in the mirror one day and being like, wait, what happened? But I also always knew I wanted to do interior design. My mom had a family friend that kind of took me under her wing when I was still in high school. And also we had like career day or something at, at school. And I was like, what do I want to do? I know that I don't want to be in corporate, I don't want to sit at a desk all day. That's not me. And it just so happened that interior design kind of came up. And so my mom had a friend that was an interior designer, had a boutique in like down or South Charlotte. And she kind of laid out the groundwork for me to say, okay, you need to go to school for interior design. And then once you go to school, you need to pass the NCIDQ, you need to become ASID, yada, yada, yada. So she kind of gave me a guidebook for me to follow. And so that's what I did. So I knew I always wanted to do interior design. And so so I pursued that. UNCC did not have a design program. I just was enrolled getting my Bachelor of Arts degree. I wouldn't say because I wasn't solely focused on interior design as my core classes, I was not doing so well. <laughs> I was not down for the math and the political science and psychology and all of that stuff. So I made a better, better move for me and I transferred to the Art Institute of Charlotte where I was then able to focus more on interior design and graduated from there. And so throughout college, did you have interior design internships? And what do you think helped you most in college when you got out into the real world? Yeah, I think we have a running joke in the interior design industry that they don't really teach you for the real world. Like they teach you more. There's commercial and residential when it comes to interior design. And the school is mainly commercial focused. So it's more corporate, more large scale projects. 
Um, and so you are really focused on the design aspect as opposed to the behind the scenes aspect, which is residential is a lot of admin. It's a lot of project management. It's a lot of billing and invoicing and proposals. It's a lot of placing orders and tracking and expediting and following up a lot of management of schedules and people and time. So I wouldn't say that school prepared you for that by any means. Uh, that was definitely more of a life skill that you had to pick up once you got out. But in general, I did do internships for interior design while in in school, in college. I actually interned at Meyer, Grace and Pollen, which is a really nice firm here in Charlotte. And they were right downtown. So of course, I love that aspect of it. thought I was really cool getting to go to my internship and working alongside some more high profile designers in the Charlotte area at the time. And they pretty much stuck me in the fabric resource library. That's where I spent most of my time. But I was able to see high end design from that level because they were definitely a high end design firm. And so it exposed me to the vendors and the brands and the manufacturers and the reps that they would meet with. And I would actually use a lot of the product that they carried in their library for my own school projects. So it gave me a slight bit of an edge. But again, it exposed me to that high-end clientele and the expectations behind the residential side of design for sure. When you graduated from the Art Institute of Charlotte, what was your first job after college? My first job was I basically went out on my own. So I pursued, yeah, I pursued through acquaintances that said, oh, they just need help space planning or they, you know, they need, it was more so space planning and CAD work that I would do for individual companies or people. And that was just for the first few months. And then I will say that while I was in school, I was very persistent. I was always very persistent when pursuing a job. And I had actually ran into a designer at Kinko's while I was putting my portfolio together. This is back in the day when you actually had pieces of paper and an actual portfolio, not digital. So I was actually in Kinko's printing things for my portfolio. And there was a designer in there and she oversaw what I was doing and we just kind of connected. And so I stayed in touch with her and pursued that and was probably super obnoxious about it too. But I was like, if you're going to get anywhere, you have to like just stay on it. And so she actually a few months in came to me and said that she was ready to hire because she was, you know, being in residential design, it's a lot of small businesses and the opportunities are very, very limited. And so if you can get your foot in the door, I mean, that's a huge advantage. And so she was a small business and typically designers work on their own and maybe have one assistant. So I was at one. And so she actually lived out in Kannapolis and that's like a 55 minute drive every day. So I would go and drive to her house in Kannapolis and work out of her house. It was actually more of a closet mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with some um, file drawers and some pencil holders. And that was basically my desk. And so, but we actually, she had really good clientele. She had a couple of Panther players. She had a couple of doctors. So my strong suit was always CAD and space planning. So I think that was, you know, the competitive edge for whoever I was working for, because I could provide that, that skill to their own residential design work, which is more so um, they didn't really at the time, again, I guess I'm old school, (laughs) 
they didn't really CAD was just coming out into the design world. So anyways, she had Panther players that we would work with and um, it was more decorating and some new construction. And then one of the Panther players, he had a side gig where he was opening up like daycare facilities and he wanted me to help do CAD plans for all of those as well. So I was kind of doing a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that was how I started. And so while you were working alongside her, did you have in the back of your head the entire time, I'm going to break off and start your own company, your own firm, which is now Sarah Catherine Collective? Um, I think it was definitely a gradual progression. I think I always knew I would eventually go out on my own. While I was at UNCC, I also had a minor in business administration. So I always knew I wanted to do interior design and I wanted to own my own company. When that was actually going to be, I did not know. So I think it was just a gradual progression. And with each job or, you know, each year, I was gaining a different skill set or um, a different um, layer that I could add to that progression. And so at that time, I think I was 24. No, I had to be 22. I had to be 22. Yeah. And I ended up leaving her and my ex at the time, he owned nightclubs. The story gets great. Uh, and he was actually building a nightclub in Buffalo, New York. And so I left her and pursued designing this nightclub with him in New York. So again, I think I always had that independent entrepreneur, I'm going to do this on my own kind of thing. And I guess in a way I had that slight confidence in myself because goodness at 22, you know, 21, getting right out of getting out of college and already taking on independent projects. And then also, you know, leaving everything behind in Charlotte and going to Buffalo to design a nightclub on my own with no other resources other than a suitcase. Yeah. And so you know, I just, I, I think I believe in real world experiences and just being thrown to the fire and to the wolves. And that's just, it's a sink or swim mentality. And so that's what I did. And so I opened up the nightclub with him, came back to Charlotte, started pursuing a more stable opportunity in Charlotte, ended up connecting with another designer in Myers Park. I worked for her for six years. I was her first, I was also her first assistant and I helped grow that side of the business. That's where I met Melissa. That's where I met a lot of my interior design friends and resources and acquaintances, a lot of vendors and reps that I still use to this day. You know, I spent a lot of six years kind of under her wing training, running the business as well, not just doing the design. And it was during that time, I think I started getting to be around 25, 26 when I was like, okay, the time is coming to go out on my own. I'm 24 right now. And I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) So that's a year from now. For me, you have to remember, I've been, I've been on my own technically since for a very, very long time, you know, growing up. So it was not, it wasn't as scary for me to go out on my own because I had already been doing it on a more personal level. Well, it also sounds like one of our questions here is how much of this was strategy and how much of it was just one day at a time. And it really does sound like you just kept taking on new projects and trusting in yourself that something more would come of it. Yeah. You always know what your threshold is at the moment. So you kind of take yourself to the brink, right? And you know what you're capable of and you know what you can conquer in that moment of time and that season of life that you're in. And so as long as you kind of stay on that line, of course you can jump if you want to. When I started my own company, it was like, I wanted to grow, but I wanted to grow slowly. I only wanted to bite off as much as I could chew. So I never wanted to take it too far. I always just understood what I was capable of at that moment. And I think that's a really important part 
when trying to scale any business, you can't bite off more than you can chew. Yeah. Like what you were saying. And I think that's something that I feel like that's one of the hardest parts of growing a business. It really is because when you're, you have so many dreams and aspirations and you're like, I want to do this and I want to do this. And oh my God, I want to go here and I want to be there. You get so excited, you know, you get so passionate and you get so excited, but you also have to learn patience and you have to learn restraint because yeah, all of those things are great. But if you try to tackle a hundred items and you really only are capable of 10, you're not going to give us a hundred percent in all of those areas, right? You're only going to give a very small portion of yourself to each of those areas. So you're not going to ever do anything well. So you have to learn restraint. You have to learn patience and know that those things will come. But I think the universe also understands what you're capable of. And so they're only going to present you with things that you can handle at that time. And you might get frustrated and you might get pissed off and you're like, why are you doing this to me universe? But it has your best interest at heart. And so you just kind of have to stay aware and and understand that um, every you are exactly where you need to be in that moment. And your dreams will be fulfilled. It's just there's a timeline. There's There's a progression. I love that. What were some of your biggest fears or kind of doubts in your head that might have been holding you back from really if you formed like an LLC as Sarah Catherine Collective? Or right before that Mm -hmm. moment? So I started my company in the middle of a recession. So I started it in 2009. And at the same time, I was married before. And so I was also going through a divorce. And so starting a company and going through a divorce is not a good idea. Uh, So I had to put my dreams on hold for a little bit because you have to get in. I wasn't going to be able to service clients in a good headspace while tackling all of these personal issues behind the scenes. And so I spent a lot of 2009 getting my headspace right. Right. And so a lot of planning a lot of perfecting. And I'll never forget my dad just being like, stop waiting for everything to be perfect. Just go for it. And it was kind of him saying that to me and uh, realizing I can't have everything planned out. I'll never start. And at the end of 2009, I guess, again, the universe had my back and a show house opened up and a show house is an opportunity for designers to have one room within the house and you can showcase your work and you can basically do whatever you want um, under, you know, a a couple of guidelines, but you can basically showcase your style and who you are. And I happened to, it was a lottery event. So you kind of, you put your name in a hat with what room you wanted. And I was like, I'm going to put my name in the hat for the main living room of the modern condo. And then I'm going to put my name in the hat for like this study, this small little closet space in this other room because I really wanted the living room but I knew I was capable of this tiny little space and during the lottery they picked my name for the study and I was like oh I won the study and then like two pulls later they were like you also won the living room for in the modern condo and so I got to choose between the two and I was like well shit I'm just gonna go for it and so I gave up the little tiny study because I was playing small and I went for the big living room in the modern show house so anyways I'll never forget skipping down the hallway just being like oh my god I cannot believe that and I'm standing in a room with all these like seasoned designers and there's this little 26 year old bebopping around just like I'm coming in (laughs) and I like just took the biggest room out of the show house and I was like yep I'll take that 
uh, and I just remember skipping down the hallway, just being like, I cannot believe this is happening. Like, this is it because now I'm put, I'm exposing myself. I'm putting myself in a spotlight in front of all these people and I have to deliver. It was exciting and terrifying and amazing all at the same time. Yeah. But I feel like it's those experiences too that prep you for and now, you know, you owning your own firm. And I think a lot of it has to do with who you know, and yeah. your clientele. And we talked a little bit about confidence, you know, you always were out on your own. And that I feel like that helped you enabled yourself to start the firm. Were there any fears? Were there any like, I'm not gonna be able to do this? Or what if it fails? Like, did you have what ifs? As I grew, I had a lot more what ifs. I think when you're young, you have a lot more confidence. Like I have a lot more fears now than I did when I was younger. Like it's weird because you're kind of naive at the same time. So you don't really know what to fear. Um, and so I feel like I was a little bit more confident back then. There wasn't anything that I can pinpoint that would have, I think just being naive to everything and just being so excited and passionate yeah. <laughs> just led me to... It's funny it. you say like you felt maybe it was then being naive rather than confident back then. The more I always feel like the more experiences you have where you're uncomfortable, the more confidence you build in yourself. So yes. even by choosing that living room and probably killing it, then you have confidence there and you go on to the next project, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. And that again, it just like I was saying about your threshold, you go to that brink every single time and you, you hit a goal and then you're like, all right, I can, I did that. All right. Now the next year I can take on more, I can do something bigger. So yes, again, it's a natural progression. Everything just layers on top yeah. of each other and you're developing skills that you're starting from the bottom and you're developing these skill sets year after year that just compound mm -hmm. on each other. As Sam mentioned at the start of the episode, Samantha works for Sarah and I've heard so much about Sarah, obviously now learning more about her process and all of that starting this company. But aside from that, who you are as a person and like the different beliefs that you have and all the things that we three have in common throughout your success, I've heard and now I can see that you've remained grounded, gracious and confident. <laughs> what do you attribute this oh. to? Oh my gosh, a lot of inner work for sure. It's a, it takes a lot of work personally first before you can succeed professionally. And, you know, I've gone through a lot in my life nothing has ever been easy for me. And I feel like the universe gave me a lot of chaos because it knew I could handle it and it knew I could overcome in those moments. I didn't think that for sure. I thought it was the end of the road many, many times, but it's all about just getting back up and keeping and going and keep going. But a lot of inner work, a lot of self-awareness, a lot of books and journaling and meditating and the willingness to dig deep. Uh, we are not perfect and nobody is perfect. I am not perfect and I will never claim to be. I, there's always something to learn and there's always something to overcome. And I think that that mentality of always wanting to learn and always wanting to dig deeper keeps me grounded and keeps me very positive and open to whatever comes at me because I know that I can as long as I dig deep and as long as I go within and I view every hardship as a lesson and something that it's teaching me so I just remain a student of life if you will so that I can keep growing and evolving and um, becoming that's great can you tell me a little bit about your retreats that you've been on oh I, yes. I've really oh she's been I on know, and I really <laughs> considered doing this in my young 20s 
on my own because I've never gone away by myself. And I think that would be a really good experience. And I just want to hear a little bit about what you've done and your experiences there. Yeah, absolutely. I actually went on my first trip by myself a few years ago. It it was more of a tropical location, so it was a little bit easier. Again, threshold knowing what I can what I can actually do. But I I was actually in LA with one of my girlfriends and I I knew in the back of my head I wanted to do this trip and I knew I wanted to do it after I got back from LA. Um but I just hadn't like pulled the trigger. So I, the night before I was leaving LA to go back to Charlotte, I decided I was going to go ahead and book it. And so I literally booked it for the next day. So I didn't give myself time to think about it. I didn't give myself time to, you know, go the opposite direction. I just said, I'm doing it. I'm booking it now and I'm doing it tomorrow. So I literally took the red eye home to Charlotte got back to Charlotte at like six, seven o'clock, went home, took a quick nap, shower, switched my clothes out and repacked my suitcase and then went back to the airport at like 10 a.m. and jumped on a flight and went to Turks and Caicos. Uh, and that was like my first trip. I that guess. is a nice retreat. <laughs> it really it was nice. It was, it was okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> really roughing it out there. <laughs> I, really, know. I know. That's what I'm saying. I dipped my toe in the water. I didn't go too crazy. It's not like I went on this safari in the middle of the jungle or anything. Um, it was. It was like yeah, it was a five-star nice. resort. I felt very close to God. <laughs> that is something Sarah would do. Yeah. Yeah. Also, you booking much. a flight the night before, like that it's is so also, me. That is a Sarah move. So yes. me. I don't want to be um, bound by a time limit, so I just wait. So, what was your? What did you do at that retreat? I've never actually heard about this retreat. Okay, so um, I just spent a lot of time by myself and. I think that is very important at a young age too. I, you know, I love to surround, I am a people person, even though I'm shy. Uh, I am a people person. I'm an extroverted introvert. So I spend a lot in, in my business too. I spend a lot of time with people and sometimes I become codependent on that. And when you sit with yourself and only yourself, you have to feel all your feelings. You have to be in your body. You have to like be aware of everything. And, and that's scary. It, it's a scary thing. And it's scary for a lot of people. And that's why they avoid the inner work because you don't want to face your shit head on, but you just got to face it head on. So, you know, you're learning about yourself. You know, you're learning who you are. I didn't even want my husband to go because, you know, even then it's like, where do you want to go for breakfast? Do you want to go for a walk today? Do you want to sit and read? What do you want to do? And I just didn't want any of those stipulations to hold me back on what I wanted to do. And so it was really just a time for, you know, a few days to spend with myself to really get to know me. I like that. And I think that's you know, we're similar in the fact I'm a people person too. I've never liked being alone. And mm -hmm. I think the past couple of months, I've really had a face being alone. And I've like what you just said, literally, that's what I've been realizing the last few months of like, you really can't feel your inner feelings and kind of like face issues head on unless you are alone. Because mm -hmm. I feel like when you surround yourself with people, it's almost like a cover up. It's a distraction. To just, yeah, to distract yourself from what you're really feeling on the yeah. inside. So I'll have to go maybe one day when I can I mean, even if it's just like a, even if it's just like a mountain retreat or, you know, you just go run an Airbnb in the mountains or on the beach or wherever you want to go. I think it's really important to like, just get away by yourself and get to know you on that level. Yeah. Sarah has a motto that we are a hospitality firm first, design firm second. Do you think that that is 
partly why you are so successful with your firm that you put the clients first and for any any business how important do you think hospitality is I think there's so much value in the experience overall you know when you travel when you go out to a restaurant when you go to a bar when you go to a concert it's an experience that you are gravitating towards and it's that experience that creates memories it's that experience that has you coming back for more and making you want to do it again and again and so I don't we are in a in any industry you're in a sea of other people that are doing the same thing as you. And yes, we can all, there are tons of talented people out there. There are many, many individuals that can do much better things than I can. And, um, and so it's developing that brand and that experience that's specific to you and your company that is geared towards your specific clientele. And it allows them to have this great opportunity and this great experience for them to tell their friends about, or for them to come back again, or them come back for more. Um, we are a very much so a referral basis. We do, you know, up until I had these cool kids working for me. <laughs> everything was word of mouth and referral basis. You know, we didn't put a lot into marketing and advertising and social media. And so my experience was the thing that I needed people to talk about. And so, you know, why do you want to work with Sarah Catherine? Yes, she can build these beautiful spaces, but she also really takes care of us. When you go into her office, you're going to expect X, Y, and Z. Um, you know, they have, they're super organized. They are, um, you can reach them. They'll call you back. They get, you know, you have access to them. So, you know, those are the things that I want to be on the top of people's uh, minds. I don't necessarily, and of course, our talents and our skills that we bring to the table. But I think the experience overall pulls you in. Recently, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about how the people you start the business with aren't always the people that you cross the finish line with. So can you talk mm -hmm. about first, first and foremost, the time that you realized you could hire more people? And then from there, what do you look for when you're hiring your team? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I started at my dining room table. It looked very much like this table here in a studio apartment in downtown Charlotte. And then I moved to my now husband's house and I was out of his guest bedroom. And as I started to, you know, again, I never wanted to bite off more than I could chew. So I managed it by myself as long as I possibly could. And then I hired a um, designer friend who I actually used to work with at my old job at part-time. And so she came and started working with me part-time. And as I got more comfortable paying that salary or that payroll, I also knew in the back of my head what we needed to bring in in order to cover that. But my overhead was very low. So again, it was just like a balance and just understanding what my threshold was. And then I knew that it was time for me to go to get out of my house and have an actual office. And so I started looking for an office in the in the neighborhood and I found one right down the street. And I'll never forget my husband and I painting the walls. And I was like, oh my God, you know, now I'm going to have this rent payment. Like, am I going to be able to afford this? Like, I'm freaking out. Did I go over, did I go too big? Did I, you know, is this too much? And he's like, okay, take a breath. You're going to be fine. And so 
you know, then I got into that office and then I actually ended up letting my part-time go because the office at the time became the priority. And then I ended up hiring two interns to make up for the fact that I let my part-time go. And so I got my interns in and then that helped alleviate some workload so I could start bringing some more business in. One of the interns ended up, I hired her full-time. She was my first full-time employee. And so I think in the game of life, in the game of entrepreneurship, you, I have always invested everything back into the company. And so I've always taken a smaller cut because my belief in my company was always bigger than the money that I was bringing in personally. So I always would put more back into the company or other payroll salaries and take less on my end so that again, I could continue building. And so that's basically what I would do at those first few years. I think I remember the first five years, maybe paid myself $1,100 a month just to pay my bills. And I think by year five, I started paying myself like $25,000 a year. So by the way, unless you have like this tech product that is amazing and everybody like uber <laughs> it is not <laughs> you're not making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year right off the bat i can promise mm -hmm. you that and my cpa he's always like you need to pay yourself more and i always say no because my dream is much bigger than my current pay status mm -hmm. and i want to continue investing back into the company as much as i can i so, also do not have children that is a big one i have no college tuition i have no diapers to pay for um, i have a dog uh, she's very low maintenance and so so yeah again i just bit off as much as i could chew at mm -hmm. the time and I just grew gradually. And then I will say in 2017, 2018, 2017 was my best year yet. I had a staff of 12. We had grown, but I had let, I, we were moving and grooving. I was traveling everywhere. I was traveling to Atlanta, to Charleston, to LA. I was constantly out of the office. I was just go, 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 run, 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 trying to keep up with it all. And it backfired. And we grew too fast, too quickly, too much, too quickly. And we kind of imploded. And the systems weren't in place. The processes were in place. We were just scrambling very much so flying by the seat of our pants. Sorry, clients. We were on the outside. We looked so perfect. On the inside, it was pure chaos. Yeah. Um, <laughs> organized chaos you know, and it kind of imploded. And I had to take a huge, huge step back and basically bring myself down to ground zero again, and uh, make a lot of changes, make a lot of reduce a lot of expenses, um, cut overhead and expenses a lot and kind of start mm -hmm. over, you know, building going back to your original question, because I can go off on a tangent, um, going back to your original question about building yeah. a team and what do I look for? I've gone through so many iterations of team members. And that is also a skill that you have to develop as well, because managing people is you, you, you are born with it or you're not. And some people just have it. And those are the ones you want to hold on to right off the bat. And then there's people like me that have to learn that skill. So it has taken a long, long time and I'm still learning. I still don't have it down pat. And so I definitely think I used to hire based on who I wanted them to be as opposed to who they actually were. And so people tell you every day who you who they are, but it's your choice to believe them or not. Or you put you put make an image of them that you want them to be. And you are constantly being let down because they're never 
going to live up to this expectation in your head, right? It's not realistic. And so I used to hire based on who I thought they could be um, instead of who they actually were. And that always never worked out. And again, because it left both of us disappointed. And so I've gone through many different iterations of the hiring process and who I want to um, bring on. And yes, I want to hire for talents and skills. But at the same time, I want to hire based on personality and culture and who they are as a person, because there's some things that we can teach and train. And there's some things that you can't. And I think bringing positive energy and a vibe to a to a company is not something that I can teach. And so I definitely look for that more so and how they will fit into this family as opposed to what they can bring to the table. And I will say like the environment is the best work environment I've ever been in. Like we do feel like a family and I, I don't know if it's because we are just a smaller company, but she's done a really great job at just hiring individuals that, you know, we lift each other up. We are there for each other. We want everyone to succeed. So I think it's, I've seen in the past six months how important it is to have a good work Mm -hmm. culture so switching gears a little bit into habit building which is something I feel like Sarah and I talk about a lot you recently read the book Atomic Habits by Mm -hmm. James Clear and so he talks a lot about habit building you know holding on to positive habits and eliminating negative habits what are some positive habits that you have enforced in your life that you believe has set you up for success, um, whether it's in your personal life or professional life? Okay, I definitely think a morning routine is very important. And a lot of when I was doing a lot of my inner work, I had a very strict morning routine, I would get up every morning at 5am, I would do my journaling, my reading and my meditation right off the bat for the first hour and a half, sometimes two hours, then I would go work out because I think that is super important because that is also, it's not just about your physical appearance, it's mental fitness as well. And I think exercise and fitness in general really strengthens your mind. And so I thought I always have felt strongly about that and incorporating that into the routine. And then, you know, setting up your day, planning your day. Sundays were always a big a big deal for me because I would basically brain dump on Sunday. So everything that had accumulated over the week, I would dump it all on Sunday. And my husband would be like, Oh my God, you have a 30 page list. And I'm like, that's literally what's going on in my head. And so and <laughs> just strategize and then compartmentalizing the to do list, right? You have to have buckets that each of these to do lists or each of these items go within uh, so that you can tackle them all. And so, you know, having a morning routine is very, very important. And it's all about discipline too, because you can get so distracted so easily. And people, as soon as, you know, the workday essentially starts, you know, you could get a phone call or an email or a contractor calls or an employee needs this, or they're not coming in or, you know, something's going to happen that is going to completely mess up your day. And so if you can somehow have set routines that you stick to so that it's automated and it doesn't overwhelm you, then, you know, and you can have a morning routine and an end, uh, end of day routine. So it's like a bookend to your day. So everything that happens in between can be chaos, but you know, you have, you've got that set set of action items in the morning and at night, and it kind of clears your brain and allows you to download from the day, set up for the next day and get you prepared for whatever's Mm -hmm. to come. I can totally relate to that. I started doing that once I graduated college and started working, I had like a morning, 
I don't really have a night routine other than skincare and like getting ready for bed. But yeah, in the morning, I really like, especially over quarantine, quarantine one is what I call it. In yeah. like March, April, May, Samantha and I got very <laughs> into that and just journaling. And that yeah. now I've taken it into like my boyfriend makes fun of me. He says I have too many lists, but I'm always like self care list, things to do yeah. for my friends list, work list, etc. On my phone, and then I have my journaling and my meditation and prayer and stuff completely on pen and paper but having that just so like you're saying anything can happen during the day but if I don't work out in the morning then it's not going to happen for me because I'm a social person at night so I know that I have to do it then or I don't do it it's totally that's such a great habit to get in the routine of and I wish I would have done it in school because I would have been maybe wouldn't have had the freshman 20 if I had a morning routine. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's got to go through it. You know, you don't want to put so much pressure on yourself at a young age too, because you have, you know, you have your whole life to live and there's, again, you're exactly where you're supposed to be in this moment. And so putting all of these extra expectations and pressures on yourself to be a certain person or looking back and being like, I should have, could have, would have takes away from the current moment. Speaking of that and future self, do you, are you a goal setter? Do you believe in setting goals? Absolutely. How do you stick to that? I actually wrote out my journaling prompts for tomorrow morning. And one of mine is checking in on my new year's resolution because people fall off the train in February. So how do you make sure you stick to your goals? It's so hard because it is all about discipline and consistency. And in this day and age, when there's so many distractions, it is so hard to fall off the horse. And so I definitely have, I've implemented now a morning check-in to kind of look through the day before or even towards the end of the week. I can kind of look at the week as a whole, but I definitely do my monthly check-ins and I definitely do, if not anything, a yearly. And I know that goes too long sometimes, but it is nice to do a year in review so you can see everything that you've accomplished. And then at the beginning of the year in January, I do, I plan, I literally plan out the whole year. So I do break, I do start out big picture with the whole year, plan out the whole year because you, you know what your absolutes are going to be, you know, like birthdays or events that might be going on that year that are either annually, or you had planned in advance, you kind of have some vacation maybe planned out. So anyways, like big things that, you know, are absolutes you can already have on the calendar, then you can break it down into more of a quarterly basis. And I think quarterly is a little bit more manageable, even 90 days, because as, as we know now, things change so quickly. And I think our mindset to think of everything on a yearly basis, it's a little overwhelming. So to break it off into smaller chunks. So I definitely think 90 days to 120 days, which is a quarter, um, is a little bit more manageable. So I like to create 90 day goals. And then within the 90 day goals, I set my 30 day goals. And so I can say, okay, in the next 30 days, I want to do this. In the next 60 days, I want to do this. And then by the end of this 90 day or quarter, then these are the things that I want to tackle. And I call it a roadmap instead of goal setting. I call it a roadmap because a map just kind of guides you there. And we all know things change and whatever you plan at the beginning of the year, or even the week is going to, even the day is not necessarily going to go as planned. So I call it a roadmap and I just, it's a Google sheet that I keep on my drive and I just check in with it daily, if not weekly, if not monthly. Um, it's just kind of one of those things that's a constant and, um, part of my routine. And so again, I big picture, 
one year and then I break it down into smaller chunks. And so if you set a goal, like I want to accomplish, you know, I want to make X amount of sales in the month of March. Yep. Do you write out how you're going to accomplish that? Because I think sometimes, and something I've been trying to get better at recently is I used to just write down goals of, I want to meet so-and-so to help me further my career and something. And then I'm like, wait, how am I going to get how, I, how am I going to exactly. get there? So then it's like, it goes to the next step of like writing down ways to yes. implement that. You have to actually strategize. And that's the one thing that we as a human, our brains don't want to do that. They don't want to spend the time planning, planning, planning. There are some type A people out there that are very much so big planners. That is not me. I'm definitely more of a creative. And so my mind wants to go to the creative side and procrastination and, oh, I'll just wait until later. You can't, you on your goal sheet, they have to be measurable goals. You have to be able to check in and say, see if it's actually working. So you have to set a goal and then you have to have an action item list underneath that. And you have to literally put a step-by-step guide underneath that one goal to get you to that goal. And so it's like, I want to meet so-and-so. Okay. Well, what's my first step? I should probably call Amy because she has access to this person. I should probably make a list of all the events that this person may attend. I should, you know, and then those create smaller, more easier goals that you know you can check off and eventually you know day by day you're going to get closer to that it turns it into like a tangible opportunity correct yes exactly so to kind of close it out what is one piece of advice that you would give to entrepreneurs or motivated individuals in their 20s um, who are interested in starting their own business what i would say is there are no rules You can do whatever the heck you want whenever you want to do it. Um, There's no rule book. I have a shelf full of business books, self-help books, self-awareness books, every book. These are all tools that you can put in your toolbox to help you get to to your goals or your, your dreams, but nothing is ever an overnight fix. Nothing will ever provide an absolute concrete solution. It is always trial by error. It is a science experiment. It is just test it out and see if it works. And if it doesn't, don't beat yourself up about it. Just pick yourself up and keep going to the next. It's all about strategy. It's all about designing this life for yourself. And there are no rules to it. There's no absolute way. And your journey is different than somebody else's journey. So make it your own. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? On a private island. (laughs) Back in Turks and Caicos. I want to own Turks and Caicos. (laughs) Um, No, I definitely see, I don't ever see myself stopping at this point. I definitely want to keep going. And um, I've always had this vision of having just an umbrella company with several different, like a multidisciplined company of several different talents under one roof. So I'm an interior designer by trade, but you know, I want to have an architectural department, a photography department, a graphic design department, a social media department. Like I want to have talents of all kinds under one roof. But I also now as I'm, you know, further developing my management skills and my CEO skills, you know, there, I have a huge, and I don't have any children. So all of my team members are my children. I have grown to love watching them grow so much that it is a huge part of my journey, I think in the next 10 years to build 
individuals up within the companies and the brands to allow them to flourish and succeed and watch them meet their dreams. Um, because I do at the end of the day think that yes, entrepreneurship is great and I would never stop anybody from doing it. But I also think that there is a beauty in working together with someone under an already established brand that you help to create and grow. Um, so you don't have to take on all of the craziness of the entrepreneur, you know, dealing with lawyers and lawsuits and uh, CPAs and accountants and this, that, and the other, you know, there is a beauty in being able just to, to be under that umbrella and helping create something. And so I just really love watching that part of that grow. And so I would love to create a, organizational chart of senior leaders that I'm just overseeing the brand and the company as a whole and everybody else is just I'm just orchestrating and everybody else is crushing it where I love, I love that. that that's, that's a, a great goal. yeah that's an awesome goal. one stop yeah, shop one stop shop where can our <laughs> listeners find you and Sarah Catherine Collective on social media? Oh, okay. So you can find us at SC Collective. That is our high-end residential handle on Instagram. And then we have Select Charlotte. So Select CLT. That is our other semi-custom design firm. And you can also find me on my personal. And it's not private because I don't have anything to hide. Uh, SC Garvin. So you can see the um, fully vulnerable, exposed version of me on there. <laughs> I have to follow lots you. Of pictures I have to follow of... you, Sarah. Yes, so please do. The next retreat. Live. <laughs> the next retreat. Oh, oh, yeah. We never really touched on those completely. Thanks for listening to this episode. To keep up with what's happening on our podcast, follow Raw and Real NYC on Instagram. We post inspo and love showing you what's going on in our lives. Till next time, keep it real.